Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. The world around us is smart. We think your education should be smart, too. With the FlexPath learning format from Capella University, you can set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move forward at your pace. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn. Learn smarter. Born in trouble. In and out the frame, out your flame, I'll make it brighter, doubts and sing. Hey, hey. And can we get a hey? Welcome. To the 45th episode of Born in Trouble. I'm not even sure that number's right, but I know it's closer than what I was last week when I announced it, when I was in the 30s. So, here we go, once again, it's Thursday night. Thursday night! And I'm here with my illustrious guest this evening. They're awful quiet in the background, which is like kind of disturbing for me personally as the host, because that means anything can happen. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, this, that's the way a podcast is supposed to actually begin, but it never works out that way. So it's like, yeah, I got me nervous right away. So I just fucked it up. So my bad. But um, from our parts unknown. West Side. H-Town down. H-Town. There you go. Mr. Gene Hopkins is back. Hey, come get your zips. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Gene. There's only one Gene Hopkins. There's only one. And when he's gone, we miss him. As soon as I retire, boy. As soon as he retires, but until that time, the man who is bringing you. Submerse yourself in the hip hop when you retire. Yes, when you retire. When you retire. But right now, the man who is focused on bringing the greater Detroit, Michigan area with the finest Amish wings and sometimes runaway Amish women, Mr. Grant Lancaster. Check that man's trunk. Check his trunk. <laughs> How y'all look? We're doing good. We're doing good. And a special guest today. Oh, we're so honored. We are so honored to have this woman with us this evening. I just want to start applauding before I even say her name. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We have been blessed with the one, the only. West Virginia's finest. Wow. Melissa Ming. Hello, hello, hello. Happy to be here as always. Thank you for always thinking about me. I am. I am. I am. Anytime I hear a country song, I think about you, Melissa. Fuck you. What? What did I say? See, this is the way things have went this week with us. Somebody else says something to you or someone says... I don't even know how I am aggressing oh, you right that, now. That was Gene. That was Gene. sorry because that was... Uh, I'm 
Apology. And I, out of his mouth with some bullshit about some bullshit. About what? It sounded like you, and I said, "Fuck you." About what? 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 What was so bad that he was like? What was the I subject? Talk about it. Oh, okay. We're not going to talk about it. That sounds like a fun game to play. <laughs> wait a second. Is that is that wait is that a song about the mountains in the Rockies, Broncos, Broncos? <laughs> But no, there's no exit button. There is no exit button. And I just, and I just wanted, I just want, I want you to know this is unscripted completely. What do you mean coming harder? I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know what. Okay. It's, it's a lot like uh, uh, the best example I can give. It's a lot like fucking Patriots, and it's a lot like uh, no Steelers. Steelers. They're fans, right? Mm-hmm. They're fans. If the, if the wind is their way, oh my god! I'm talking about they go like amplifier. So mm. it's only right. Mm. The only way that we work as a society is if we give and we take to one another. So I thought that was very profound right there, Gene. It was very profound and it was beautiful. It was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. It really was. So today we're joined by Miss Ming to not talk about professional football or teams or Following the wrong one and being disappointed year after year after year, no matter what. No. That's not what we're talking about tonight. It's not what we're talking about. But we can. No, no. If I anybody. Look, I'm a cowboy fan. I'm a rep What? Out loud. That's my boyfriend. <laughs> yes. Another lonely Cowboys fan has come and joined us on Born in Trouble. <laughs> Because the only comfort any football fan gets. Listen, man, I, 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 I respect the hell out of you for even admitting that at this point. For even admitting that, and we didn't, we didn't come here. We didn't come here to talk about this. We really invited you in because we were talking about, you know, we're, we're bringing in like all these different cop topics and Mr. Brooks won't be joining us for a while. So we're going to have a lot of interesting people coming and jumping in the seat that he fills and everything. And, you know, we figured that you might need a boost after this weekend. 
And that's what friends do. We look out oh, for each other. Wow. Here I am. We look out for each other. Because, you know, he's the voice of reason for the most part. Yeah, well, sometimes, um, sometimes. So, thank you for my boost. Mm. And, you know, for helping my, you know, whatever it is. I'm here for you. Because I'm not getting those uh, checks, Gene. You know. No. But we're here for you. And that's all that's important. It's important that we're here for you. So. Okay. But, you know... We're going to actually, we're actually going to flip the script and we're going to talk about another fantastic African-American woman this week. And her name is Miss Letitia James. She's the attorney general of New York state. And well, anytime you deal with law, it's never an easy thing. You kind of have to believe in that sort of like when you join the military, you have to believe in your country. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And Letitia James is the Attorney General of New York State. And she is taking on the Trump machine at this point in time. And leading the charge and basically going at him for the illegal deals in that organization for a lot of the illegal stuff that they did. Um, even prior to the White House and after the White House. For example, one of the things that he said she's claiming is that he claimed his penthouse was three times the actual size of what it actually was. That's something Stormy Daniels might have actually warned you. Maybe she actually gave him the clue that he made the three times the actual. Yeah, that he that he may have an issue with claiming thing, his size and everything. There's no shame. Because, you know, it's not about the size of the space normally. What was that? Where's the illegality in there? Because doesn't he pay more taxes if he's claiming a bigger size? Well, actually, by doing that, by having a bigger size, he was able to get tax advantages as well as insurance. And there are a lot of other things that are baked into the pie that made it more beneficial to him to claim that it was worth more money than before. And I guess it's like, it's sort of like you can't see the things, much like Stormy Daniels. You know, if he told her the same thing, you don't see the value until you actually get there. For example, he claimed his brand premium of 15 to 30% on properties, meaning that if he had property was worth $2 million, if he claimed the Trump name, he increased the property by roughly one third. While saying on other documents, he didn't actually do that. And, for example, 40 Wall Street, he said it was worth two to three times more than what the lender, Capital One, appraised it at. So the value was 525 to 602 million, and Capital um, One appraised it somewhere around 150 to 200 million. So, so he's, getting, he's grabbing all these tax breaks and different things. And Letitia James is on him and on that organization. There's a lot of benefits to undervaluing your properties or overvaluing your properties. And the thing that struck me is that why is she the one that actually is the one that you have all these different people. You've got Joe Biden. You've got all these Democrats and Beto O'Rourke and all these these tough, rugged like men. But it's always this black women that's always in front. Leading the charge. 
Why is it that she's the one that's the that's actually taking upon herself? And at one point they said she was like looking at running for governor, but that she just put the kibosh on that to save democracy in a lot of ways. And I look at her and I look at the same thing that Stacey Abrams did. A lot of people feel like Stacey Abrams should have been the vice president of the United States instead of Kamala Harris. What she's doing is she's taking it upon herself to sacrifice maybe her career goals to go after the Trump organization. And I thought about the parallel between her and Stacey Abrams, who gave up essentially um, even pressing to become vice president in order to get Georgia registered to vote. And that was very important because those two seats are a big difference in the United States Senate today. So why is it always these black women that have to move forward and do this? Well, I, I, I would say when you're not part of the system, you know what I mean? Even though they're uh, somewhat inside of the system, they're not one of the cronies. They're not one of the good old boys. So everything that they see and touch, um, my thought anyway, is that they're approaching it from, from an outside position. Okay. So when they see when they see you know the the good old boy network doing what it traditionally does, and they see the fuckery in that, to me, I would imagine it would be easy for them to take that stance. I mean, not not easy, but I'm saying it would be it would be easier for them to take that stance than it would be for a, you know a, another career politician, a, a, a Mitch McConnell or whoever, someone else you might name. Right. You know I mean, like. Because because they're kind of an outsider, you know. But they're picking. The way you can change the system. Well, they're not really trying to change the system, which is the interesting thing. They're basically becoming the pillars of the Constitution at this point. They're the ones right. that are looking to uphold the laws as they exist. And but the, the system that they're changing is the, the system of the good, good old boy network. That's what they're attempting to change. So. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I see. I, I would imagine it's easier to take that stance coming from an outside position. What do you think about that? Well, listen. I mean, I tell them, to put you back in is like, black women, women have to be, especially black women, have to be strong in a male-dominated society, and it's not hard to push back and not care like the trickle down effects because nothing trickles down to black women. We have to fight for what we want mm. in that respect. And I guess it's like, you know, there's a fight in us. Innately, you know, you've always had to do more, be better, work twice as hard, and you're not viewed as uh, the the beauty figure or, you know, just look at Look at the roles that women, black women, have played in Hollywood and what that depicts to black women coming up. Right. You get what I'm saying? So I don't see it. Uh, I don't see it as being outside the realm to want to push back against and and see people, you know, pay for their errors. Well, my thing is that these. Like, I think that, like, what I'm picking up is the fact that in the United States of America, 
we have people, we have a whole party that, like, they believe that you go out and you wear your flag pin every time that you go out in public. And that's the extent of their patriotism. But as far as holding people accountable for breaking laws and ethical laws that they put into place so that way you can't take advantage of it, they're lagging far behind these black women. And that's what strikes me about it, because these black women are the ones that are basically standing up here. And and I've worked in many workplaces with black women. And a lot of times when management deals with them, there's always like there's always that certain day where it's that element of, ugh, you know, here she comes, you know, she here she goes. She's making that noise again. And it's just like and it's like I know, Melissa, you've experienced it just and you just have to shake it off right you shake it off and you keep it pushing right yeah you know so these women have had these experiences and yet and still they're the ones that are looking to uphold this system that doesn't really benefit and doesn't really want them many times doing that and I just find it like really striking that there are many different ways that you can call yourself that you can support your government, no matter where you live. If you live in Saudi Arabia or you live in Southern California, and some ways are with the gun, some ways are by organizing and supporting, some ways are with writings, some ways are just by repping your neighborhood and doing what they tell you to do and everything. There are many different ways. It's not just one way. But what they're doing right now, I think that is, it's overlooked and it's underreported. Whether or not you believe in what they're doing, that there's an action in there or there's a positive action, they have made it to that point that they become the arbiters. And why can't we get more people, more of their people, to do that work? Disrespected, unappreciated and also holding up your democracy at this point. But that, it, isn't that why, though? Like, I mean, why would you... It's, it's an uphill battle. And unfortunately, what we do in this country most times is people take the, the easy road. We always go for the low-hanging fruit. Mm. So that fight is an uphill battle. 100% of the way. You know yeah. I mean, you're fighting against... The, the biggest dollars, the, the, the worst oppression, you fight, you know what I mean? Like, you fighting against the entire system. But isn't fighting against the entire system the actual thing that being a true great American is supposed to be all about? Isn't that how you, isn't that how you define the individual as opposed to the system by the ones that actually stand up for yeah, what is right yes, and actually yes, move so. forward? And, you know, and that's... But, so here's the thing that that uh, patriotism is defined by the powers that be right so if you're uh, like people in it that stormed the capital right let's just take them for example um, in the ass chaps they mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they thought they would be in patriots mm-hmm. on some level you mm-hmm. feel me and they thought they were being patriots based on what they had heard from the president, Trump at the time, and, you know, whatever, how, how they felt, that whole rhetoric. Right. right. So to them, that was patriotism. 
to somebody on the outside looking in, that could have been terrorism. Fanaticism. Right. Yeah. Right. Or fanaticism. It could, you know, it could have been, could have been anything. So we, you can define it as patriotism, but I think it's only patriotism if you eventually take over. You know what I mean? If you, mm. if you get beat down, then you would just, you would just, and, and, and anarchist. History is told by the victors. Exactly. History exactly. is told by the victors. Gene, do you have anything you want to add to it? Couple of thoughts. Few thoughts. First one is I'm a bad motherfucker with this weed because I'm high as fuck. But <laughs> first thought. Okay? No. Secondly, it's only it, it makes perfect sense to me Some bull- that's some extra bullshit. I saw those charges. It's like I don't understand how you get charged for taking a loan for from yourself, but that's their smoking gun. But go ahead. So maybe it has to be the black woman, you know, uh, 
Well. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you said V. Yes, I did see that show. Hilarious. Yeah, she didn't do it. I mean, I saw those charges. They're just really mad at her. For like rattling the cage and nothing's gonna come out of it, but it it's ridiculous that they went after her for that as, as much bad stuff and other things. But you know this whole conversation this reminds me of something I was reading this week about Kemet and how the crowns and the African women and how back in the day in Egypt the matriarchy the pharaoh's power can only be passed through the mother through the matriarch and the thought process was that they didn't have a king. They didn't have kings. They had queens that ruled. And the reason being is that men went out in the world and they fought and they hunted and gathered and they worked. And the women were the ones that basically were essentially at home around the family, taking care of the house, taking care of the raising, taking care of everything. Everything that made the city work was actually ran by a woman. And the men went out and they did the task. So I think it's interesting that these that this is the conclusion that you come to at the end of that because of the fact that it is like almost like a natural spiritual order for the world. And it's not a it's not a thing of one ruling over the other. It's actually working in unison and working in sync with everything with nature. And that's what it is. But it's like the ego is doesn't allow you to actually have these types of um, partnerships. And relationships, in your relationships, and in your life, and in your and in our forms, and our governments, and our hierarchies. But we can see where, you know. Even I have to admit, I make a lot of jokes and everything. But listen, I've say I've worked for a lot of women managers and bosses and things like that. And I didn't think about it like they were a woman. I thought of them like they getting the job done. I also worked for one who should have been burned at the stake. As soon as she walked in the door, but that's another conversation. It's got nothing to do with her being a woman. It's just the fact that she was a bad fucking manager, like the worst manager ever. And but the other ones were actually fucking great at their job, better than the men. And there's there's a reasoning for that. There's a, you know, like Ming, you've always impressed me. Like I've always I always consider you to be smarter than me. Oh, I am. See? There it is. No, I, but it's true. And I can accept that, though. I can accept it. I mean, I don't know where the emotional part comes in with you rooting for that team, though. That's not like a tell. That's like emotion. That's love. That's called the hard pivot. That's called the hard pivot right there. Well, she hurt me. 
Yeah, it's like you said, Gene. I'm I'm a man, Gene. And when these things happen with us, we we run or we attack and everything. So that was like I was hurt by her response being so. Yeah, it was fight or flight. Exactly. So. What do you mean as a person? Yeah. Just the way you carried yourself. It's like just the way you carried yourself, just the way that you were and everything. And that's it's like these things like who's to say what attracts us to anyone or any group of people? What is it that brought me to like actually liking Gene to actually liking Grant uh, actually coming into a space with Robert? It's like these are these are like spiritual things. Uh, I know what those things are now, but there was no way in my immaturity I can know what they were back then. Okay. What do you think they are now, per se? Well, well, what I'm finding is I've reconnected with people at this age and stuff because of something more uh, substantive, substantive than, than just some superficial bullshit. There was a million, uh, a bunch of that shit going on back then. Mm. And so what I know now is because of the energy each one of you hold. Mm. You know, well, I couldn't say that back then, right. and, you know, because I, I was, you know, I was, all I remember back then was me being such a goofball where I didn't pay attention to things and stuff and everything, and the things that I pay attention to now. But that's all of us. Well, that's why I'm asking grown up, John, because I don't think I would have been in a position to ask that question then. You know what I mean? So it's just like a reflection of what was it. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. It's just curiosity. Oh, please, man. If we could build a time machine and one of us could go back in time and go back to, like, 11th grade, Russ High School, and get all three of us together and be like, yo... In the future, we're going to have a conversation with each other and we're going to be in different parts of the world and everybody's going yeah. to be able to listen to that conversation. And I'm going to ask you, 11th grade, one thing about it. And first of all, Melissa would have been like, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> right? You ain't lying. She was like, get the fuck out of my face. Why are you wasting my time I with this remember, shit? I remember, but I remember for each one of you, I think, you know, I, I remember for Grant, I remember, I definitely remember for X, and I, and with Melissa, I do, I mean, you know, I remember uh, all the way through to 8th grade, I mean, from 8th grade, so I, but it wasn't, I mean, I was beyond silly back then, so I don't know, you know, uh, what at that point was something that I could have said, oh yeah, down the line, but I could say that about Grant. And I can say that about X, and uh, not so much Rob. Rob is a bit of a surprise, but it doesn't surprise me much because it kind of like comes with the X package. You know, in my mind, it was always X and Rob back then. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but what it's turned to is me actually rooting, you know, for everybody uh, to because it's almost like you know we're survivors. I mean, that's how I feel. You know. Yeah. Like what, what that would be like, and this and that, and everything else. 
because I mean it wasn't that it was dangerous, but I don't know why my thinking was like that. But I, I was just one of those who just didn't think everybody was going to be living long, and you know, and I probably was going to whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so I just didn't think past that, or I just wasn't mature enough to. But anyway, now I know, you know, it's it's. If some of y'all become turned into like family, like I'm cheering for y'all to really do well in your ventures and this and that. And I'm overall cheering for everybody, but I'm not I'm not into everybody's business. Some more than others. And and, and not only that, you know, <laughs> this is like therapeutic. I think Brent said that. For real. Uh, or somebody said that shit. Uh, you know, but but you know, this is this is interesting. Amongst all the uninteresting shit I do every day all day. Mm. Thanks. But, 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 but no, but I, I couldn't have told you back then. Back then it was like, oh yeah, because this nigga's big and cool. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a gamble like me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, I remember thinking everybody was smart. I, you know, I can only, I can only tolerate or challenge persons so much but, uh, at that stage of maturity. I can tolerate them a lot more now, but back then it was like, nah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the way y'all baptized me, I was a nice kid till I got to Brentwood. <laughs> 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 you know it, it's funny you describe the show as like the conversation that we have is like therapy that's what I say every week I say like this is my therapy I'm on like this wisdom app now and I go on other people's conversations and today I did my first show and I don't really like doing those talks as much as I enjoy doing this show because on the show it's like we, we know each other it's like I get to catch up with y'all once a week it's like really great and it helps me. And like Gene said, you deal with so many different people and personalities. No matter what, I look forward to having this conversation once a week. You know, so the numbers for me, it's it's good. And I'm glad that we're growing and everything. And they pick us up. But we're only going to grow but so much because, you know, people pick up on the on our open stance on, on having conversations about things. And, and this cancel culture. It's like it doesn't really matter. You could say 49 things right. If they disagree with the 50th, then they're only going to do but X, Y, and Z. In which, which case I say, you know, fuck them. Because that's the whole point of this but, podcast. So. What have you ever given any fuck? Huh? About. What have you ever given never. Never. And I don't plan on starting tomorrow. Sorry, sir. So. See, I think that's one of the just when you, when you start talking about like the common that runs between all of us, there's there's a certain level of don't really care, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. no fucks to give. Mm-hmm. There's a certain level of intelligence that runs through. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a certain level of like we all we're all very into our families. You know what I mean? Um, like there, there's a lot of commonality that. And this, and this, I mean, this includes Rob. This includes uh, Gene, Brian. Like, I, I mean, my whole like Brentwood crew, Diamond J, you know, Shell. Like, there's there's a, a very common thread that runs between us all. That um, I don't know. Like, so like Gene came from Compton. I came from Detroit. So when I came to when I came to Brentwood from Detroit, 
like it was a it was a complete culture shock, right? There was no there was nothing like y'all didn't do anything the way Detroit did anything, right? Like everything was different. The music was different, clothes were different, the shoes were different, the way y'all do it, the language was different. You know what I mean? The, the slang was different. Everything was everything was different. So I spent a lot of time watching y'all. You know what I mean? Just just trying to just trying to understand how to get acclimated to what it was. Right. And even though even though Brentwood is a small town, you know what I mean? But because everything was just so different. Right. Is it though? I mean, wouldn't our wouldn't our class like six or seven hundred? Yeah, I mean it's it it's small. It's actually one of the larger it's actually one of the larger, or at least at back then, it was one of the largest suburban towns in the country. And we had a lot of people from, like, different areas. Like, everybody came. My parents moved from Brooklyn, for example, out to Brentwood. And a lot of people, a lot of the black neighborhoods, a lot of the black people that were there had moved from the city out to Long Island. You know, they were working municipal jobs. And this is something I talked about today. You look at media and you look at people and you listen to people talk on the Internet now. It's like they they act as if like we didn't we never even existed. Like our class of people never existed in the 70s. Our parents didn't have these municipal jobs and were living in homes. And like, you know, we were just basically normal people and everything. It's like you're not allowed to be. You're not allowed to be normal, but when you came, but when you came and you experienced that culture shock in Detroit, from Detroit to New York and everything, you kind of like you did a pretty good job of like melding in, you know. At the end of the day, I I was forced. I was forced. You know what I mean? It it was either sink or swim for real. Right. You know what I mean? As as a, I mean, I came when I moved to Brentwood. I was 14 years old. I mean, 14 years old, that's when you really start figuring out who you are in life, what you want to do. Like, you know, I mean, back then, that's we were, you know, discovering women and all that kind of stuff. It was it was just different. You know what I mean? And I so I had to I had to dive in, but I also had to watch, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like to make sure that I was making the right steps. And it just so happened I hooked up with a bunch of people I just kind of hooked up with the right people at the right time well the thing is you had to do that yourself and you had to you had to measure that balance that out by yourself at 14 years old and society today feels like that can't like that can't be done like you know is that too aggressive right now for a 14 year old to be expected to come and navigate today's world and everything probably I mean well it is well I'm just saying we came from Staten Island to Brentwood in eighth grade. And um, we were on Staten Island for probably about a year and a half and coming from London. And I was 10 coming into flying into JFK and just, you know what I'm saying? I'm in Staten Island. And then I'm on Long Island. Mm. In the same integral part, I was 13. So trying to be whoever you're going to be, but in reference to coaching shop. Mm. It, it, it was like a mixing pot. Because, yeah. like, 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 look, Compton, Detroit, you know what I mean? Staten Island or whatever. But it, it's, I like Brentwood and what it brought It was like a little, it was like a little suburban city. Yeah. Because the people were, because all the people came from, 
from outside of the suburbs yeah. and were living inside of the suburbs. And you know, it was a come up for me. I'm yeah. talking about, yo, if I drove you by my house in Compton, oh, yeah, that shit is like, that's like a bedroom, bro. Yeah, it was a come up. It was yeah. a come up with materials and, and, and areas like, I, you know, yards and, you know, uh, all the, uh, or cut grass and, I mean, you know, it's just always diverse. I was just mm. all black. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was diverse and, and uh, all those things, you know, I thought I came up. Like, I remember that. But then when, you know, shit, culturally, though, shit, I mean, it was just so much rougher. Maybe because of, that was my age that I had to transition to and everything else. But it was, it seemed, it seemed so violent to me. Like, motherfuckers always getting fucked up and this and that. It wasn't like murder, you know, but... But, but, so, and so, but, but, I don't know, man, I'm telling you something, I hate the 80s, but I I guess I like Brentwood, you know, and everything else, but when I think back on the 80s, it was like, that was some of my, that that was probably the most unfun decade of my life. Really? The 80s, you know, I mean, but it's the most memorable, because I have some real good memories in there and everything else, but... Uh, it was 30. I went to the army in 87 and shit. Yeah. You, you, think, you think about the 80s, it was 30 something years ago. We are the same as our parents that were talking about the 50s in the 70s or in the 80s, you know, in the 50s. And it, it's like crazy. It's like time just flies. But it doesn't seem like much has changed other than how people associate like we got to all know each other because we had all these we didn't have all these protections in between us so we had to go through the fire and the hard stuff of actual relationships now you know this is the whole basis for the argument against the mythical critical race theory is even like hurting people's feelings you know forget about your feelings you might come home bleeding so look at how far we've like actually moved this needle and it's a mental it's like a mental type of um discussion as opposed to like a physical one so it just it's just crazy you can take it and you look at it as you look at it from as far as hip-hop music like we were going to talk about hip-hop i saw something about hip-hop and there was a discussion as to whether or not today's rap is hip-hop is today's rap hip-hop And I said that, no, it isn't. It's a derivative of the music that came out of hip-hop, but it's not hip-hop. Hip-hop is tagging, it's dancing, it's writing, it's all these different things. But it's music. We get too far off of the question that X asked. Um, We asked the question about a 14-year-old navigating that kind of water in these days and times, right? Yeah. So I'm watching, I watched the movie Sounder like a couple of weeks ago. You know Sounder with uh, Sister Tyson and yeah, re- uh, Kevin Hooks is in it. So the movie is about uh, the dad goes to jail and the son walks from the town that he's in. He walks like two, three towns over mm-hmm. to go see his dad in jail. 
Okay. Right, and then he and then he walks back home on the way. You know, I mean, it's it's like a couple days trip. This ain't no this ain't no just hop, he ain't hop on a bike. Right, like he walked. Okay. And the, his character, Kevin Hook's character, is probably 10, 11, 12 years old in the movie. So, what I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm going to is, how do we go from that twelve-year-old being independent enough to walk a couple towns over to go see where his dad was in jail, to the point now where we're wondering if a fourteen-year-old, um, you know, like. Just getting around in a in a new neighborhood, right? You know what I mean. Like, yeah. Like how how do you get there? And then somehow we're tougher and better and stronger right. and greater. It's like you know, at a certain point, the facts have to actually match up to what's being said, and we are so far apart from that, from the facts actually being anything. It's like incredible. Right. I mean, it certainly has for me. Uh, just because, you know, I think when I'm aware of what's going on, well, I'm going to tell you too, man, your crack came along after, and at the end of, you know, after 85, not so much before 85, and then the effects were seen like 86, 87, and shit started getting fucked up. So it wasn't, you know, I mean, generations kind of got lost in, in all types of disciplines and stuff. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of street violence and shit like that when crack came around and stuff. So that could be it, you know. Uh, maybe our experiences were different enough that when we were 14 years old, shit, you know, it was a, it was a whole different world. It is because, I don't know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like as much survival. As it did back then, I guess. And so kids don't have jobs right now, you know, in school. I want, I remember desiring a job. So much has changed, is my point, Grant. And so much has changed. Uh, I mean, the why is probably a thousand different things, but shit, I feel that way. I mean, you know, my son is 15, and I don't see the 15 like when we was 15. Mm. Right, right. I don't, you know, and I see. Like when I was like 12, 13. Right. I see, I see some of those traits and stuff, you know, but I don't see like, and, and I'll be thinking, really I'll be thinking somebody's going to take advantage of them if I'm not careful. But they're all like that. There's a, there's like fewer people to take advantage of them. It's a, it's a, it's the, it's the concept of trial by fire, but it's the concept of trial by fire and trial and error. You understand and you learn through like the school of hard knocks. And that's not something that any parent today proposes that their kid should go through or any good parent who has any type of money. So how are you building better human beings that don't actually go through conflict? is the difficult thing in the question. The reason why I started thinking about that was because I was thinking about my other friends from when I was a kid, also in Brentwood. The first group of friends that I met when I was around, you know, like uh, 10, 11, 12 years old, around that age when I was playing baseball and riding bikes everywhere. And we were a weird, we were a weird bunch. There were two Jewish guys who came from actually Israel, Israel, like real, and like his stepdad was like a was like ex military, 
And motherfucker used to disappear So I think about it now That motherfucker was probably going on missions From time to time And they were also tucked away in Brentwood Okay So there were these two guys There was one big Irish dude There was two Hispanic brothers There was an Italian kid Who I fought like three times He was short but he was tough And he would never give up and everything, but I had to whoop his ass like three times, and every one of those three times, he tried. He tried, and he tried, and he tried. So, that was him, and then there was a whole bunch of other guys that were different, that were in different um, races and age groups and everything that were all friends, but we were like, kids used to see us, people used to see us riding our bikes down the block, and they used to be like, yo, what the fuck is going on there? Because, you know, you got white kids, Black kids, Spanish kids, all together riding around. And we used to play sports. And I was always the referee because I knew all the answers. I knew, like, you know, the laws and everything and the rules of the game. And I would never cheat because I didn't want to win that way. So every one of those kids I fucking fought. Every one of them I fought. Each and every one of them on a different day I fought. Until the one thing that they all had in common is that they had all fought me. Either won or they had lost. Right? Right? But these are my friends, though. Right? But we had all, but we all fought. And we all would put... No, because if I couldn't, listen. They, listen, they'd all come back to the house. They'd be like, yo, come on, we're going to play, man. You know what I'm saying? We can't play without the rules because you know this motherfucker's going to cheat all the time. I was like, yeah, you know that he's going to cheat all the time. That's why I always, that's why I do what I do. And I will be fighting you again and again and again. That is John. Oh, wow. That is John. That is John. In the nutshell. But this is why I respect the fuck out of Letitia James right now, yo. Because, like, the rules are the rules. And somebody's got to stick up for them. Whether you like it or not. I really don't care if they're whatever they're... It's not political with me. I think they're all fucked up. There's always one of them that's fucked up somewhere. And everything. But if you break the rules, you gotta pay. So, Letitia James. Get him! Get him, Letitia! I hope she tear their monkey asses up. Tear up! Him. So we didn't get to talk about rap and whether rap and hip hop is actually hip hop or rap. None of that shit. Um we're not gonna get into You're my special guest, Melissa. I think that was one of those. That was one of those trick things, you know. Yeah. That's one of those yeah. those Queen higher elevation comments, you know. What happened to your special guest? You're my special guest, my queen. Free from any infection. To you. At your discretion. Yep. Yep. 
And that is where you know what we're gonna end the show early because I don't think we're gonna top that. <laughs> From the hills of West Virginia. Then you then don't listen to the show. We don't want you. If you don't know the reference, we do not want you. You are officially disowned. <laughs> there is no need. We'll deal with the extra downloads. Huh? I'm part of the problem now? Now I'm part of the problem? No, if you don't have if you don't if you don't have that reference. You're not part of the problem. Oh, then you are part of the problem. That's right. You are part of the problem. Yeah, I just wanted to end this show. I, I just wanted to end this show with just one note for all you basketball fans and Nets world out there. You know, the brothers at Nets world, they actually made me a moderator today on the group because Kyrie dancing in this Timberlands. All these things that I see, I know we're headed to the championship. I'm sorry, Gene. I'm sorry for what's going to happen. Los Angeles won't be there. It's okay. It won't matter. They just won't be there. Yep. Melissa, do you have any comments on this football conversation right now? Melissa, do you have anything you'd like to say, my queen, about this football situation? No, nothing? Okay. Season's over? Season's over. Always a reason. What's up? Or uh, not, not the next Phoenix and uh, Phoenix and Dallas. I just hit two parlays on it. And I hope that I hope that gambling is legal in your states. So we're gonna end the show here. <laughs> Owner of City Wigs. <laughs> Detroit, Michigan. Come get you some. And if you're looking for grit, you can find them sometimes at two eight nine six. I drive to Vegas every 
I'm just, I'm just wrong. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just wrong. I'm just wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not good. Gambling was made legal in Michigan last year. Yeah. Michigan made Michigan made three point seven billion dollars last year on gambling. Damn. Y'all had some money. Mm. Oh, I do I do my gambling in Bitcoin online, goddammit. Mm, and mm, I can mm. say and, and that and that raises an eyebrow enough for them to uh, apply some resources to that, then they just gonna be practicing. Yeah, let me tell you something though. You just like filled a very large gap for me because three point seven billion in losers in the state of Michigan. No wonder why the motherfuckers was trying to go and kidnap the governor. Anything in the face your wife at home. It makes so much sense right now. You cannot face your wife with $3.7 billion in losses. You're damn right you're angry. You're angry that Michigan sucks. They don't cover. <laughs> they win games, they don't cover. They, they don't put points on the board. So now you're going after the governor of, oh man, it makes so much sense. Thank you for that statistic, yo. That is great. See, even at the end, we're uncovering the truth. We're uncovering the truth. I just, I just slipped it in there. You know, sort of like Trump when he was discussing how big his buildings are. And from parts unknown, you can ask yourself if you want. Yo, I'm in the Gene Hopkins Gene Hopkins This is how you know Everyone on this show is on the up and up Except for me because I never Disclose my exact location So (laughs) Y'all can pull up Y'all can always pull up You're always welcome to pull up Always welcome to pull up Born in trouble Born in trouble. We got to catch you on next week. Thank you. Peace. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.